Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we do every week about anything and everything property. I think, perhaps, we're going to chat about the 18-year property cycle. Although, we always like to, to keep these, these uh, podcast episodes variable, so who knows where we might end up. Especially, seeing as this week, Stuart has asked me to start by asking him <laughs> about car parts or, or maybe a specific car part i'm not even quite sure so so where are we going with this Stuart? well i just wanted to have a little rant and now i'm not sure if it's highly appropriate to do it into the microphone <laughs> but i'm, I'm gonna say when has that ever stopped us before <laughs> it, never never you're right i had a car accident in mid-december and essentially my car has sat in the repair centre since that time. It's been 19 weeks and six days, not that I've been counting, but over four months, my car has sat still. And the reason it has sat still is because there is not the car part available for it. Now, I like to think I'm a very pragmatic person and I've been very patient. I've acknowledged that there are more important things happening in the world than a car park for my car. But after four months, I, I kind of getting a bit fed up with it. So I've been emailing the insurance company, the repair center and the car manufacturer. And all of which they just tell me, we'll give you an update in two weeks. And then two weeks later, they tell me, yep, we'll give you an update in two weeks. And that's that's how it's gone. Only yesterday, uh, as of today's recording, I got so fed up. I thought, I'm just going to take this into my own hands. And I went on to what I consider a well-known website called eBay and, and, and tried to find this car park. After waiting for four months, would you like to hazard a guess of how long it took me to, to find the car park I needed and actually confirm that I could order it? Half an hour. 11 minutes it took me <laughs> to find the car park, make a call, and the company said, we can deliver this car park to you in two to three business days. I've now given that to my repair centre. And I just wanted to have a little rant about that because it just reminded me that if you really want to get something done, and I'm going to try and reflect this back to property, is that you have to take responsibility, regardless of thinking that other companies and other people would take responsibility. Four months I've waited. But the the, the greatest irony was when I phoned the repair centre and said, I found the part that can deliver it in two days. He said, okay, I'll give him a call tomorrow. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's leave it another day. I mean, I've only waited four and a bit months. Let's wait another day. Why do it now? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe they have been eagerly scouring eBay every day. And it just happened that on the day that you looked, there happened to be someone selling, selling that particular part. Well, you know, my, my usual patient self would agree with you, but I've, I've since had two other companies contact me because, I, I, you know, I filled in a few forms online. And within 24 hours, I've had two or three companies all confirm that they've got this part for my car. So uh, thank you, Simon, and thank you, listeners, for, 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 for actually staying tuned, if you indeed you have and haven't just switched off. <laughs> I, I can't help but feel that i mean presumably they're they're saying this car part isn't available and is that that it's not available new because of the, the various manufacturing issues in the world at the moment and, and you're buying second hand or 
or, or do they consider secondhand or indeed other parts you're looking at and, and finding are they actually new well they it, they were trying to get a new part from it's mercedes so it's trying to get a new part from mercedes so this these once again these are first world problems and i acknowledge that i have waited four months to lose my bleep and but it, it suddenly came to me I, I spoke to the repair company i said to them look have you looked at the secondhand market and he said yeah of course you know we've got a, a network of used parts and breakers yards and because i said i i said yeah, you know I'm, and, and he said to me oh so you'd be happy to have a used part it's a leased car it, it really doesn't matter to me you know if, whether it's a, a used part a new part and, and it's just the fact that these these questions don't get proactively asked you know, you know what i mean and, and again I, I take responsibility because i probably could have three months ago said look if you're struggling with it, why don't we just do X, Y? But then I, I kind of expected the insurance company and the, the repair centre to to maybe have headed these things off the past. But essentially, they were trying to put it, get a new part made, and there's no, there's still no sight of when those parts will be made. And that's what was driving me nuts because I just thought, in any other business, you at least need a plan. And this is what I said to when I, you know, I've sort of complained to both the Mercedes and the, the insurance company. I said, look, I'm not saying give me a date. I'm saying tell me what the plan is. Yeah, so. Yeah, oh dear. I don't really know what to, to say to that. It does, does seem a bit crazy. Are, are your insurance company paying for a rental car or something all this time as well? Uh, actually, that's a repair centre car. So it's not a courtesy car, which is probably a silver lining because if it were a courtesy car that I'd had it every day for four and a half months, I think. And the repair itself is, is you know, we're talking basically four stroke five figures for this repair so i i dread to think what my repair sorry what my premium my next insurance premium is going to be but i'm going to try and swing this back if i can and say my expectation was that that if i just let it be waiting for that car park could have taken about 18 years right that's (laughs) that's going to be my link back to our actual conversation a, a very impressive if slightly stretched link <laughs> <Well done. laughs> so it, it, there's been a bit of chat about 18 year property cycles and i myself have listened to a few podcasts and particularly with frank harrison who's the the person that kind of uncovered i guess this 18 year property cycle and then you and i were just having a bit of chat about it and we thought well let's hit the record button and have this chat so you know i'll I'll kick it back to you in terms of 18-year property cycle. I mean, there's, there's information out there. Maybe we could just point people to that information about what it is. But do you, do you want to kick us off with initial thinking about this? Apart from anything else, I think my thoughts on the 18-year property cycle vary over time, <laughs> probably based on how well it currently seems to be fitting the, the real world. And I think that is probably my my main thought on the 18-year property cycle, that it sort of, I mean, when you dig into it and when anybody really talks about it, they always say it's an average of 18 years. It's not exactly 18 years. And the, the ups and the downs within that vary by vary in magnitude and length and things. But of course, because of that, it means that it's very difficult or, or perhaps very easy, in, if you take it the other way, to fit the 18-year property cycle to to the current times and to pick and choose how it applies and where it applies and and when it applies for. So I'm just not really sure that it's useful because if you, I mean, yes, you look back over history 
And somehow there is an average of an 18-year cycle in, in property going, going up and down and, and twisting around. But that doesn't really reveal the future. The future may happen to carry on sort of vaguely, roughly following an 18-year cycle, but we can't really tell that it will. And even if we assume it does follow 18 years roughly, you've still got lots of variability within that as to how much it goes up and how much it goes down and when and how long things last for. The, the most recent Property Podcast episode, which was talking about this, they spoke about multi-year double-digit growth in, in the sort of boom phase or, or leading up to the, the, the actual boom and then the final bust. And they were saying, based on that, in, in the past, they think it will, it will be, again, a multi-year double-digit growth boom phase. And hence, we can say that we've just started that, so we've got another few years of it. But I don't really see how you can be so confident about it, because the world is a crazy place. I mean, just look at all of the especially crazy things that have happened in the last couple of years, from pandemics to wars and all sorts of other things in between. We don't know what's what's coming tomorrow. We've already got things like big inflation numbers and, and cost of living increases happening now, and we don't know whether they will continue, get worse, or be sort of appeased by government actions or, or other things changing around the world. And we've also got huge amounts of money that's been created in various economies, which has never happened before. So again, do we really know how that's going to play out in, in the next few years? I don't know. I think, I think call me uh, a skeptic except when it really fits quite nicely in, in the past. And then, then it, yeah, that's nice enough. <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's me ranting lots. Um, what, what, what do you think, Stuart? Well, I, I agree with what you said. And my first question about anything like this is, why should I care? Okay, so why? It's, it's an old principle in business, which is what's in it for me. So... And it sounds a very selfish thing, but actually when we were in business and sort of presenting or pitching to people, you know, you really have to understand what, you know, what the implications are to people. And and I feel the same about this. So I'm thinking, OK, so this is really interesting on the face of it and playing devil's advocate to, to a couple of your points. Though. So they're saying, well, you know, if the cycle has been monitored, let's let's just say for at least 60 years, let's say for at least the early 60s and it has played out. So they have historical, when I say they, there is data available that plays out this cycle. So if you're looking at that data, you can say, well, actually, a lot of things have happened in that duration. So, you know, we've had, there's been, been wars, you know, throughout that history, lots of things have happened. Yes, we've had a pandemic. Yes, there's been a, a European, you know, invasion, you know, Brexit and so on. So there's always, you know, these, the, these other events that happen yet it's still played out. However, I, I still kind of agree with you, which is the world is changing and, and you know, there's so many other variables at play, it, it gets very hard to predict. But without trying to turn into an economist and a you know, geopolitical advisor, which, of course, we are not any of those things. We're just sharing our views. 
my, my question is, like, so why do I care? And I think, well, okay, let, let's think about this. Why is it interesting to me? Well, of course, I don't want to buy at the peak of a market. I, I don't, or, no, more, more pertinently, I don't want to buy when the market's about to drop. You know, none of us wants to buy a property on Monday that is worth less on Tuesday. That, and that for me is like the, the essence. Or even worse, commit to buying a property on Monday see the value drop on Tuesday and then have to complete on it on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're talking from experience. And, and I remember we bought a property in the end of 2007. My wife was pregnant and we had essentially refurbished the whole house. So we had to rewire it, new kitchen, new bathroom, all of that stuff. And we'd finished that to mid-2008. And then, so stupidly, we had one baby and then we, we fell pregnant again with twins very, very quickly. So it became apparent that our little two-bed terrace was not going to work out. And that, that all happened in the space of a year and a half. All my own fault, not blaming anyone else. That meant we had to, we had to sell because there was just no way we could cope with three babies under 40 months in a, in a very sort of compact two-bed Victorian terrace. So we had to sell that house, which I'd just spent 50 grand on and had purchased for, I can't remember the actual numbers, but it, you know, let's, let's say it was purchased for 250, 300. Essentially, the money we spent on it took it back to the value that we'd bought it for, if that makes sense. So the property had dropped in value because it was at the end of the 2008, beginning of 2009. The property had dropped in 20, 30%, but because we'd spent so much money on it, we actually broke even. That makes sense. So that was my, my personal experience of that situation. And just back in terms of the 18-year property cycle, I think, so, okay, so worst case scenario, what, you, what we're essentially saying is you don't want to buy at that stage. But you and I have had this conversation on this podcast before, which is what we're, now, what we're then talking about is trying to time a market because we want to buy at the right times. But, and, and in fairness to the podcasts that we listen to, you know, they've all made the, the right point that when we talk about property, if we're not thinking about it for long term, you know, that, that's a concern. And of course, there are strategies like sourcing, like flipping, where you are, uh, in inverted commas, more short term because you're trying to turn something around in, let's say, six months to a year. But ultimately, my question is, OK, but if, if I've held on to properties and, and I think about your portfolio that you've had for, let's say, 20 years, I think how concerned should we really be about the 18-year property cycle, even if we think we're at those key stages? Yep, exactly. The 18-year property cycle, as far as I can see, and as far as sort of fans of it, I think, are, are involved, is that it's all about timing the market. Uh, what, why else would you be trying to use a, a system to predict whether the market is going to go up or down this year, next year, or in a few years' time. So it's all about timing the market. And if you're, if you're in property for the long term, which I think is, unless you're doing some very specific strategies, I think really is the, the most sensible and sort of safest approach. You're, you're in it for at least five, probably 10 or more years, then you're right. Do, do you care? And, and I think you've actually looked at some numbers, haven't you, Stuart, for considering that longer term, 
without worrying so much about the ups and downs within the 18 years. And w- w- what's that revealed? Yeah, so I just went back to, well, 85 and just looked at average property values and also I think it was the annual increases at that time without going to every five-year block. But essentially, at 85, in, in 1985, the average UK property was 27K, 9058K, 9555K. And I'm not going to keep going. So 2000 was 84,000. And in J- January 2010, that 84,000 was now 167,000. So again, there was the blip of the financial crash. And I appreciate we haven't done this regionally because we haven't gone into that sort of depth. But by the time we get to January 2020, the average property price is 231,000. So just to reflect for a second, 85, 1985, 27,000. January 2020, 231,000. So that's, a, that's obviously a significant increase. But even if I just look at, let's say, January 2005, average UK property price around 150K. January 2020, 231. So once again, an 81K increase. Now, when we look at, Again, I don't have all of those numbers here. When we look at the averages of the the, the the dips, if you like, let's just say for the sake of argument, they're 10 to 15 percent. Even if that did happen, which is a real worst case scenario, and I think you've got to be really unlucky to lose 15 to 20 percent on a property. But let's say you did over a 15 year time frame. That, that's more than recovered. And I look at so I looked at also the, the biggest drops we've had. 1990. I forget the month, but minus 3.2%. November 92, minus 7.3%. And February 09, 15.6%. So that's the greatest drop we've seen. February 09 was 15.6%. But when you look at the increases, and even if you're, you're only increasing in, you know, between 2 and 5%, that, that gets knocked off within five years. Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting. As you went through the five-year marks, and Again, it's coincidence that you can do this on a on a round five yearly number and it works out. But but it does, and everyone is increasing despite the the drops and dips in between. So, so yeah, overall things are going up, and property does keep going up. But I, as I'm saying this, I I do feel that I am falling into the same trap as the 18 year property cycle by saying I'm looking back at history. And it always keeps going up, and therefore it always will in the future. And maybe it won't. But yeah, there's, there's, there is always that slight concern. But I think as a general trend, it's so reliable that hopefully we can pin our investment futures on it. Yeah, and it's not that I'm dismissive of the 18-year cycle. I quite like these things. I, I, I definitely love, I love data. And I think it is be able, it is good to be able to to transpose what we're doing on top of things like this. To say, okay, well, it looks like we're at this stage of the cycle, and maybe we do need to be more careful. But the question I come back to for me is, you know, so so for example, the current thinking is that market's going to crash, and I, I use that word, and I'm going to just put that in inverted commas because I, you know, for me, a crash just is going to be. Let, let's say there is a drop in value, but. The current thinking is that there's going to be a drop in value 20, 2026, 2027. And, you know, so there could be a view that if you wanted to make some money out of your property, stroke properties, you'd sell in 2025. That would be the right time to sell because by the time you sold them, 
by the time you've gone through the conveyancing process, you've hit the top of the market. But if you're going to sell at that stage, then, then clearly you've wanted to sell anyway. So, th- so that's where it can come to, to good use if you think, OK, well, I, I want to I make sure I make that extra 5%. But equally, if, if I'm buying, as we've always said, you know, the, the right times now, do your due diligence if the numbers work, buy. But given, and maybe it's a reminder to be more mindful of the loan to values that we're looking at. And, you know, for me, that, that is typically more higher leveraged than, than most people. That is something I do think about. And you're right, we, we can't predict the future. And I think, you know, we, we have to be mindful of the banks, but typically they're, they're not going to take huge risks. So if you're 80%, 75%, 80% LTV, you're still fairly safe. Okay, you might have to take a hit, you know, just, just to your point, if if things do change, because, yeah, we, we can't predict, but do we expect them to drop below the prices of two or five years ago? I think it's unlikely. Yeah, uh, that that's the real danger about not knowing the future, not knowing quite when a dip will happen and quite how big it will be, as much as if you have to crystallise it, then you're in trouble. <laughs> so the the real trick is being able to avoid crystallizing that that dip period, however big and long it is. So you want to have to you you want to avoid selling during that time, but you also probably need to avoid remortgaging during that time, unless you've got a lot more spare than sort of your your typical strategy and indeed my my typical purchases do. There there is. There is danger in that, and I I can see why you might want to try and time the market and know what's coming in the future. But equally, if you choose a a very safe approach, say, for example, fixing a mortgage for five years, as we've looked at already, even if there's a dip in those five years, the chances are that you'll probably still be fine. You probably won't be any worse in terms of of valuation and remortgage or remortgageability than you were when you purchased it. So, so yes. So there you go. I'm I'm looking to buy properties and I'm going to fix them for five years and I'm going to not worry about the 18-year property cycle. I'm going to not worry about whether the market's going up or down or booming or crashing. I'm going to ignore it all and hide in, in a hole somewhere. Yeah, because we and we all do it. You know, it's the it's the conversation we, we have in the in the pubs and the coffee shops, which is, you know, you know, our parents or our grandparents that bought properties. I mean, you, you know, that my grandparents bought property for, for 4,000 in, you know, in the sixties. And, you know, when she passed away, you know, my parents, you know, sold that property for, you know, 250,000. This is, this is in central London, by the way, Clapham, you know, they sold the property for just over 200,000, which they thought was, was pretty good money in, in early 2000. That same property now is worth 1.5 million, but they could have, Back in you know the last the end of the last eighteen year cycle, so were the you know in in two thousand eight or in two thousand or sorry ninety you know ninety two. So well, we better we better sell now and get out. But you know the market carries on. So I, as always, I think these things are useful to to give us context, but shouldn't necessarily direct it specifically to say right will we better sell before this because it depends on your own personal objectives of what you're trying to do if you're going to sell it then yeah you want to sell it at the at the best time and if and if this gives us a bit of a a clue to that then then great but 
if you want to sell, you're waiting four years now. So, you know, we've just got to be mindful of those sorts of things. But so I think it is interesting. And for me, it is something I do follow, but it it won't necessarily dictate what I do and, and when I do it. Yep, I agree. It is interesting, but I'm not sure it's worth betting on. I think we're we're both very interested to hear from people listening. Are you basing your property strategy, your property investment on the 18-year property cycle? Or, or are you basing it on something else? Whatever the answer is, please let us know. You can reach us on biz of property. That's B-I-Z of property on Twitter. And that goes to, to both of us. So you can ask either of us things on there or let us know what, what you think. Or you can find show notes and a contact form on thebusinessofproperty.com. And Stuart and I will uh, come back next week to talk about some more random things. (laughs) Probably not involving car parts. (laughs) Yeah.